Okay, so I am a little bit tipsy and I've just been out drinking with my parents, so please forgive this introduction, but I do think it's actually quite necessary. Um, I just got into a massive disagreement. (laughs) No, we didn't get into a massive disagreement, but like basically long story short, went to dinner with my parents, explained what my first episode was going to be. And my mom nearly had a conniption because she freaked out because she was like, oh my God, my daughter is about to go on the internet and talk about Alex Jones. Did God help me? Um, Which is a fair reaction. I would probably have the same reaction, to be fair, if my daughter told me the same thing. Um, (laughs) No, but my dad then gave me a good grilling about just kind of the way I was discussing what I was going to talk about in the episode. And like, I actually have no issue with the episode that I recorded. I'm actually really happy with how it kind of came out. And like, I do think that the focus is not necessarily like what Alex Jones's ideas are. Like I'm not, I have no interest in spreading his, you know, toxic putrid shit. Um, it's more just like, uh, like deep dive on like how bizarre it is that I used his podcast to like fall asleep at night and like why that's really disturbing um but I think my dad had a good point and also my mom had a good point as they kind of critiqued the way that I was like I guess the way that I like was going into it and the way that I was discussing Alex Jones um they made lots of good points um But yeah, my dad critiqued the way I was speaking about Alex Jones. He said that the way I talked about him sounded as if I was sympathetic and pussyfooting about the ideas of him being a scum. Like I should just really make it very blatantly clear that he is scum. The shit that he talks about is stupid as fuck. He's not someone that we should be agreeing with. Um, And I should make that really blatantly clear. And something that else I probably should have made really clear in the episode I recorded was he is being sued um he is being sued and this is I mean all the articles are kind of like not consistent with the number but I'm just going to go with um the guardian because I think it's pretty Incredible. Um, they go with $965 million in damages to the Sandy Hook families um, because he basically routinely claimed that Sandy Hook was a hoax and that there were actors and all this like really fucked up shit. Um, and he incited harassment and death threats towards the families many of whom who still struggle with this today and yeah the impacts of like Alex Jones's lies have just kind of followed these families which is horrible and the people that were following Alex Jones during this period of time especially were continuing this harassment to these families it's disgusting it's not okay um, I I think that it was very right that he was deplatformed. Um, 
I think that was a good thing that he didn't have that ability to spread hate and um, create that mob mentality. I have a very similar view to like the Trump thing and the Andrew Tate thing. Like I think these kinds of men who are very good at creating groups of people who feel, you know, quote unquote misunderstood who kind of follow these people and they, you know, take every word they say is gospel and then carry out really heinous shit. Yeah, I don't think that's good. And I don't think that they should have um, access to platforms where they're able to spread that. And by deplatforming, you're kind of hindering that capability of these groups of people to do really heinous shit. Um... And my dad was like, you need to make a distinction between the fact that because he was like, you're hyper fixating on the fact that there are people who went and did really horrible things because they took something that Alex Jones said and then they ran with it. Right. But you're hyper fixating on that. But you're disregarding the fact that like Alex Jones is the root of the problem. Like, yes, you can criticize the people that did all, all that horrible shit. But by ignoring the fact that someone like Alex Jones, people who are very aware that their words will turn into actions as much as they like say that they they didn't know about it. It's like, no, you know what your impact has, your influence has. By disregarding that, it makes me sound like I'm, you know, being sympathetic or I'm trying to negate from what the actual problem is because I'm like hyper fixating on, well, why did all these people follow what he did in the first place? Like they're at fault. It's like, no, because then we're disregarding the fact that there is someone that can have a lot of power and influence. And if you don't take the big dog down, you're not going to solve the problem of all these mob mentalities of people following people and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think especially for my generation, people my age and seeing on TikTok what happened with the Andrew Tate situation, we really saw kind of like this crazy influx of like when Andrew Tate was all over TikTok, right? The comment sections and the kind of content that we were seeing and the content that was being fed to us was this like toxic like sludge of just like misogynistic crap and it was just like once we took them off the internet I mean yeah sure there's still pieces of him left on the internet um but once we removed like him you kind of did see that like massive decrease of like mob toxic sludge that was coming out of the internet And it just stops people from, like, cultivating in that mainstream area of, like, talking about just, like, pointless shit that is just, yeah, it's scummy. And, like, we can sit here and discuss, like, why do groups of people feel seen and heard and understood by people who spread really heinous and, like, horrible shit? Like, that's a whole other separate problem. But if we don't face the the dangerous and, like, actual, the problem that can lead to serious shit, 
the people that incite harassment, incite violence, all that kind of crap. If we don't address that and we don't remove that first, then we are being distracted by all the other crap. I hope this makes sense. Um, Just a little preface to the podcast. Um, But yeah, I just feel like it was important to establish this. Um, I, it's actually made me reconsider what I call this episode. Currently the name was, I used Alex Jones to fall asleep at night or something along those lines, but I'm almost thinking, should I call it something like I used who shall not be named to fall asleep at night and then not even put a photo of Alex Jones and put a photo of like Voldemort or something because like, I don't know. Should I, is it, is it unethical? I mean, even my mom said this to me. She's like, don't you find it kind of bad that like you're like, are you using the name of Alex Jones to get clicks and to get traction and all this stuff when he's like such a horrible person? And like, it does pose a really good ethical question. And yeah, I do think it begs the question if I should even call it if I should even put his name in the title, like, is that even, is that me indulging in something that isn't worth indulging in? Yeah, look, if you see Voldemort slapped on the front of this podcast, then clearly I am taking a more ethical route in my podcasting which I probably should, but we'll see. Let me know. Enjoy. I think we can all agree that your early 20s and figuring out how to be an adult is incredibly shit. Um, I can definitely name a few instances where I really decided that becoming an adult just sucked. I mean, it's sure, it's great, the freedom, being able to do whatever you want, having money. I mean, having a bit more money than maybe your teen years, but really, is it more money? But um, yeah, I just, I, last year, it really, it really hit me. And I think the moment that I can pinpoint it back to was I, so I moved out of home, um, got a new job, became single out of a long-term relationship. And it was just like your average Tuesday night, like I was coming home late from work. My roommate was, you know, at home. And I remember she messaged me being like, I think our fridge has died. And I just remember thinking like, fuck, like the fridge, like out of all the appliances to like die, a fridge is not the one that you want to die. Like a toaster? Sure. I just won't have toast. The washing machine? Fine. I'll rewear these same pair of jeans three times. It's not like I don't do that anyway. Um... But a fridge, all your fresh food, not to mention the prices of groceries these days are fucking insane. And I just remember thinking like, 
don't freak out. Like, it's fine. Like, everything will work out. And, like, I would say I am a flexible person. Like, I can deal with good good amounts of chaos. But even me, like, I do get a bit, like, on edge and stressed and, like, you know, I it builds up and I freak out and I kind of lose it a little bit. I'm dramatic, okay? Sienna, who I used to live with, my good friend, would agree with me. I am very dramatic. So when I found out that my fridge had broken, I was like, oh, how do I not lose it right now? I did lose it a little bit. Got home, saw the situation. And I just remember the house being an absolute mess. Like I just came home. I was like, oh God, like house is a mess. It's a Tuesday night. I'm fucking hungry. Like our fridge has died. All the food's fucking turned to shit. Like I just remember like taking a deep breath and telling myself, it's fine. We'll just call the fridge people. Like it's fine. There's always people that you can call. And that's something I realized as an adult, like whenever something goes wrong, the thing that I think you should just do is just call someone. Like, I don't know who you necessarily will always call, but there is always someone to call. I mean, hey, fuck, I'll try the Ghostbusters if it's required. Um, But seriously, just if something goes wrong, just call. Someone will pick up and someone will fix your problem. Now, as I said, I, you know, newly single, long-term relationship trying to adapt to, you know, nine to five work life, moved out of home, a lot to process. And I just remember going to bed every night was kind of a struggle for the first six months, like adjusting to that kind of like everything was just changing before me. And I was like, fuck, this is just too much for my brain to process. And every time I would hit my head on the pillow, it was just like all the anxiety would just like come to the surface. And like, I wouldn't say I'm like an overly anxious person. Like I'm not someone who's like constantly thinking like shit's going to go wrong. If anything, I should probably be a bit more self-aware when things are going to go wrong. I'm the type of person to zone out and just like go with the flow, like never too concerned about where I'm ending up. Like, But I probably should be concerned sometimes about where I'm actually going. I tend to do this thing where... I'll and I've actually done this like many times where I'll get onto a train platform I won't even look at the boards it's kind of just like muscle memory and I'll just jump on a train not even looking at the boards hoping that my muscle memory will remember which train goes where and what direction goes where and the problem with that is like you don't pay attention and suddenly you're in like fucking you know outskirts of like Sydney or something so yeah, don't do that. Get off your phone, as people like to remind me, especially. Um, so yeah, every time I would hit my head on the pillow, I was just like very anxious. And I didn't really know how to like calm myself down. Um, and I know a lot of people have like method to the madness of like what helps them get to sleep. For instance, Sienna, who I used to live with, she loved rain noises. And for the life of me, I don't get it because I I would die of boredom listening to rain noises. And you're probably thinking, Alice, it's probably a good thing that you die of boredom because it would probably put you to sleep. No, I need something that is noisy to put me to bed. For instance, 
I remember when I was training for my marathon in like 2019, was it? Jesus, that feels like a lifetime ago. I would usually like knock out at like 9 p.m. like every night because I was exhausted. I was like running every, you know, second morning and I just lived and breathed running. And I remember I went to like a few nights before I had the marathon, I ended up having to go to this like Fleetwood Mac concert and I passed out. Like literally all my friends just like took photos and videos of me just like asleep at a Fleetwood Mac concert because I was just so tired. However, for some reason last year, music didn't cut it anymore. Like music was not helping me fall asleep in the way that I needed it to. So I moved to podcasts. Now, I love podcasts. I love making podcasts. I like listening to podcasts. And I happen to have a job in podcasting. So I love me a podcast. But even, and I tried a lot, and I listen to a variety. Like, I definitely am not the type of person to just, like, have their one podcast. Like, I listen to everything and anything. And nothing was working. Like, nothing was putting me to sleep. And my brain, every night, I was just thinking everything that, you know, just like anything that required any responsibility, which was everything now because I was an adult and I was living out of home and I was now in charge of my finances and I just couldn't deal with it. So every time I'd go to bed, I'd just be like stressing out. Um, and then for whatever reason... I cracked the code. I listened to, and when I say I listened to, I repeatedly listened to every single night for probably like, I don't know, like it was like three to six months of my life, what it feels like. I mean, again, maybe I'm being dramatic, but it was a long time of the like beginning of last year to help me to fall asleep. I would use Alex Jones to fall asleep. I'm not even kidding. Now, if you don't know who Alex Jones is, don't know where you've been living, but um, Google him. Um, he's currently like being sued, like billions of trillion dollars. I don't know, but he's not a good person. Okay, he's a uh, he's a conspiracy theorist. He's very infamous. Says a lot of crazy shit. Um, and for whatever reason. His voice helped me fall asleep. I mean, I say voice, but I actually, I have a theory as to why he helped me fall asleep. And I don't actually think it has anything to do with the tonality of his voice, but I'll get to it. Anyway, it was a specific podcast episode that I would listen to over and over again every single night. And it was the 1,255 episode of Joe Rogan where he had Alex Jones on and Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo is like another like conspiracy dude, but he's also like from the sports world. Anyway, and obviously Joe Rogan, massive podcaster, people love him, people hate him. Yeah. Anyway, so for whatever reason, I found this podcast episode and turned it on and fell asleep like a baby. I was like, that's weird. And then I felt some like internal conflict because I was like, hey, like Alex Jones, like really? Like we're going there? Like we're doing this? Like I felt somewhat like, does that make me a bad person? Like what does that say about me? Like I'm I'm rewatching this 
episode well when I say rewatching, I was falling asleep to it so like I probably heard the same I mean I don't really know statistically like the average time it takes for someone to fall asleep but I would say I was listening to the same 20 fucking minutes every single night before I went to bed and then and it is a four-hour podcast so and I just let it run so the first 20 minutes I was hearing over and over again but that other like three hours and 40 minutes it was just like subliminally happening when I was asleep I mean I don't know if that like changed the like chemicals in my brain like (laughs) am I now like a flat earther who like believes the government's trying to kill me like I don't know I don't feel like that but I don't know so you know when I realized this was starting to work I mean at first I didn't question it because I was like fuck I'm sleeping great (laughs) I didn't give a shit what I was listening to Um, but I was like, fuck, why couldn't I be someone that could listen to rain noises? You know what I mean? Like the person who's listening to rain noises isn't, you know, going to get funny looks when they reveal that about themselves. Whereas if you tell people, oh yeah, like I don't use the calm sleep app. I use fucking Alex Jones. I'm going to get like sectioned or something. Like people are going to like kick me out of the friendship group or something. Like I don't know. Like I was you know, I was concerned, but I wasn't concerned in the sense of like, I knew it wasn't like what they were talking about. I agreed with or whatever. It was just, and this is what I think it was. I think because so much of the anxiety I was having was around feeling like I was going insane because I was having like all these thoughts and like, I felt out of control and I feel like I couldn't, you know, deal with being an adult and like I had too many responsibilities now and I was getting everything wrong and like, you know what it is. I feel like the podcast and like the things that they were talking about, like Alex Jones, Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan, whatever, the things they were talking about was so insane and didn't really make any logical sense to like the average person that in a way it was like counteracting all the anxiety I was having, like all the anxious thoughts kind of were like, oh, you're actually fine. Like, listen to this shit. (laughs) You're fine. And it was just like this, you know, constant affirmation every time I'd fall asleep, like, Alice, you're fine. (laughs) Listen to these guys. Holy shit. (laughs) So, And look, I have no scientific proof. I'm just a girl who's listening to a podcast. (laughs) I don't know, man. But for whatever reason, that shit put me to sleep. And obviously it got to the point where like, I was kind of like, I actually need to like watch this episode in full, sober-minded, like awake, not just asleep. Because I was kind of like, well, I need to know what the fuck those other three hours and 40 minutes are, you know, being put into my brain as I'm asleep every night. Like, I need to know what they're saying. Um, and look, the podcast is filled with a lot of, like, conspiracy theories and, like, they go a bit all over the place and what they talk about. But the most fascinating part of this podcast and something that I think makes this podcast episode so infamous in like internet culture or podcast culture or whatever is 
it's about two hours in. So it's like the middle, like smack bang in the middle of the episode. And basically, Eddie Bravo believes that he's a flat earther. I'm pretty sure is what I was getting from the gist of the video that he's a flat earther. And Alex Jones isn't a flat earther, which like you would think this guy, he has so many crazy whack ideas. Like you would think if anything, he's also a flat earther, but he's not. Um, And Eddie Bravo is like, you know, getting fixated on this topic about how the world's flat and kind of egging on Alex. Like Alex is getting like really worked up and like starts to get angry. And Alex is like yelling at him and like Eddie Bravo, like they're going back and forth. And like the the volume or the levels on that part of the podcast are so loud. Like the fact that it never woke me up blows my mind. Like, cause I would listen to this throughout the night until it would stop playing at the four hour mark. But it's like in this two hour mark, they were screaming, like Alex Jones is screaming at the top of his lungs. And if you've never heard the tonality of this man's voice is like very low gravelly, like rough, you know, Again, it's not like the Headspace app where you've got like a really calm, soothing, talking voice. You know what I mean? Like, no. And at this two hour mark, like screaming, yelling. And the fact that it never woke me up blows my mind. But it's really funny because this part of the episode is like clipped on YouTube like all the time. Like it's just yeah because it's just so outrageous because Alex is like losing it and then he like goes on a tangent and is like the government's killing like already born children and harvesting their organs and keeping human animal hybrids look the shit just gets fucked um but the thing that makes this whole like clip or like part of the podcast hilarious is like the whole time like Joe Rogan actually just like needs to go pee and like Alex needs to pee and it kind of breaks the fourth wall and it's just like a bit random and a bit funny anyway so bizarre look as much as I would love to play the clip for you I don't want to get copyrighted so if you would like to go see the clip uh, just Google an Alex and Eddie moment, JRE Tunes. You'll find the clip that I'm talking about there. Um, otherwise, you can go listen to the full four-hour podcast. <laughs> Although I can't really imagine many people actually want to go do that, to be honest. Um, but hey, if you ever need help falling asleep, maybe you should try this. <laughs> Again, it feels incredibly weirdly unethical that this was helping me fall asleep at night um because I really should reiterate like Alex Jones has done a lot of like damaging harmful stuff when it comes to like stuff he's talked about on like his info wars and like he's been blacklisted and like deplatformed from like social media because like it created mobs on the internet who've then gone and like been really stupid and yeah It's just not conducive to society to have people who talk about all that kind of stuff. And so, obviously, I recognize that. Like, I'm I'm obviously self-aware to recognize that, like, he as an individual has 
created problems that have not been good for society. Um, but interestingly, he does pop up, obviously, on other people's, like, platforms and, like, I guess it's, like, him indirectly appearing on, like, social media or, like, YouTube and platforms like that where he's brought on as a guest on, like, a podcast or, like, yeah, usually it's a podcast or, like, an interview format. And, you know, I've gone back and forth on the whole, like, freedom of speech and, like, political correctness and, you know, where's the line and, like, when should someone, you know, not have a platform anymore? And, like, I'm a bit, I would say that I feel like I have a nuanced opinion. I don't think I'm really that black and white. I know there are people who are very black and white on this topic and that's that's fine. That's their, you know, prerogative. But I feel like it's a complicated issue because I do think that deplatforming in the sense that if if you go against the rules of a platform or a social media corporation they have every right to get rid of you because why would they want a liability because if we really think about it a lot of things are it comes down to money and if you're going to lose someone money because of the things that you say and the things that you do why the fuck would they want you as a liability? It doesn't matter how entertaining you are or, you know, the biases or whatever. It's like, no, if you lose someone money, they don't want a bar of it. And, you know, but people would argue that there's like a political agenda and like, look, maybe there is sometimes and maybe there's always going to be like issues and there's not going to be, you know, perfect regulation or whatever. But I do think in the general sense, if a platform decides that they no longer want to give someone a platform because they feel like they're a liability, then that's, yeah. Do I think that social media platforms and other platforms like YouTube do a very good job at regulating everything? No, because a lot of fucked up shit has happened on these platforms that they haven't been very proactive in taking down straight away. So, it's not a perfect world. But I also feel like on the other hand that it is important that open conversations can be had. For instance, um, Middle Ground, um, it's like a YouTube series um, where basically they get two sides of people who like believe different things and they bring them together and they have conversations. I mean, Middle Ground isn't the only one. I think there are a few other YouTube channels that kind of do those conversation like layouts where they bring two oppositional people together or groups and they have a conversation where they agree, they disagree, they talk about topics and it gets heated and by nature, those conversations sometimes include people who have been problematic or who have said things that are not necessarily conducive to society. Now, I would argue that those channels and those conversations are done in a way that's still monitored and kind of safe enough that it's not like turning into something ugly, but it's still allowing two sides to have an opinion and to have a conversation. And, you know, 
if we don't have that in this world, then I, I think that we're going in the wrong direction. I think the unfortunate consequence of shutting down those kinds of conversations is they will then find another corner of the internet. I mean, this happens anyway, where they have those conversations, they're not regulated and it creates this mob mentality. And they, I feel like in a way they get off on the fact that they're kind of like extradited from society and they kind of feel like where they're isolated in their opinions. And then that projects into something that's really negative and harmful because they feel like no one can accept them in any way or have a conversation with them and I just don't think that that's productive I think the more ways we can find a platform to have open conversations is incredibly important now (laughs) do I think that that episode with Alex Jones Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan is like the most conducive thing to society no was it somewhat entertaining yeah Was there things that were problematic? Yeah. Is he a problematic person? Yeah. Does my... Is there somewhat privilege in the sense that he's not directly affected me, so therefore I can sit and listen to it? Yeah. And, you know, I recognize all these factors kind of come into play and it's like I'm the type of person where I'm constantly analyzing, like, my existence and like how ethical I'm being in certain situations and like overthinking all that stuff which doesn't really help when you need to get the fuck to sleep but obviously now you know a year later I sleep fine I'm not listening to this podcast to fall asleep you know I'm I'm doing all right now but at the time I just needed something to like knock me out and I wasn't gonna do the sleeping pill thing or the you know chamomile tea like nah I needed something that would put me to sleep and for whatever reason this fucking podcast put me to sleep but obviously now looking back I can kind of analyze a little bit and like you know question the ethics around it like me listening to this and me you know like consuming it so regularly and what does that mean and look maybe it means nothing because Obviously, I watched it, you know, awake the whole four hours and I agreed with nothing. Like everything they said, I was like, well, I just don't agree with any of this. Like, obviously, there was things that they said about like that the government's done wrong or like the Jeffrey Epstein thing and like covering shit up. Like, yeah, okay, sure. But like in the grand scheme of things, a lot of those conspiracy theories, I'm just like, sure they're entertaining to talk about or listen to sometimes but like I don't really buy into a lot of that like I think the whole like I just I don't get it um so I think knowing that I didn't really agree with anything they were saying I kind of felt safe in that like position because I was like well then I'm not really being like convinced or like indoctrinated to believe any of this like I'm fine right but it does Again, it brings up that interesting like idea where it's like, is it unethical? Like, it is what I did unethical? I don't know. But then it's like the podcast has like millions and millions and millions of views, and like people in the comments are like hilarious. Like, this is so funny. Like, oh my god. Like, Alex Jones is the best. So, well, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, and there are people who are buying into the crap that they're talking about. And look. Joe Rogan's kind of an interesting, like, case study when it comes to, like, 
deplatforming people because people have a lot of opinions about the certain people that he's chosen to have on his platform or his podcast, obviously talking about his actual platform, Spotify is a whole other like thing, but him, Joe Rogan having guests on, yeah, people have questioned his, you know, like motives to have people on. He argues that he just wants to talk to everyone and have a conversation if he finds them interesting, whether he agrees with them or disagrees with them. And for some, I have respect for that, but I think it's a case by case thing, right? Like I personally have zero interest in having conversations with people where it's like, I don't feel like they're adding anything to the conversation. It's not that I necessarily have to agree with everyone that I'm talking to. Like, obviously that I think is really like ridiculous. Like, I don't want to just have conversations with people I agree with, but I am more interested in having conversations with people that I disagree with, but I actually feel like there's a conducive and like a good conversation that's being had. And look, I would argue that, you know, there are episodes of Joe Rogan or other podcasts that have decided to have people on the likes of Alex Jones on their podcast where, yeah, there's, you know, there's there's something there sometimes where there's pushback or there's disagreements or there's a dissection of something or, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Um, so it's complicated you know, like I just don't think it's black and white. But again, I respect people who think it's black and white and they think that certain people just shouldn't have a platform because again, that's their opinion. I also, you know, don't fully agree with people who are like, oh, freedom of speech should be like all the time, every time, anytime. It's like, well, like good luck, like good luck because just like the real world there's liabilities there's consequences there's money involved there's advertisers there's stakeholders you really think that you can create a business where you have no like you aren't held to some standard where there needs to be regulation and restriction on things that are said please find me find me an example (laughs) Like, seriously, I feel like when people go on about that, I'm just like, you're just not being realistic. Like, it's just not. And again, I, you know, I totally respect the fact that people want to have those open conversations. And like I said, you know, YouTube channels like The Middle Ground, like super important that we have those things. And like, I've watched some episodes of those like YouTube channels where they have like two people that disagree talking, whatever. And some of the conversations, I'm like, that was a bit shit. Like, there was just a lot of arguing or there was just, like, the, you know, mean calls across the room that were not, you know, helpful. Or, like, there was no end result kind of thing. Not that I think those conversations need to, like, solve world peace. But, like, yeah, I think some conversations are definitely more successful than others. But, yeah. It's just a hard one. But again, when I was trying to fall asleep at night, I wasn't thinking about all these things. I wasn't going into my head being like, yes, let's try and discuss how difficult it is to allow people to have 
open conversations, but also regulate what people say so that we don't create harmful spaces, but to also allow people to agree and disagree on the internet. But also we need to be, you know, I wasn't doing that. Like when I was trying to fall asleep, I was just trying to fall asleep and I was heartbroken. And you know what heartbreak does? It means you can't fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough, you know, like when you get out of a long term relationship, you're in your early 20s, you don't know what your future holds. It's all very complicated and you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's the question that you constantly ask yourself. And obviously, I sure, maybe I was asking myself that when I, you know, was heartbroken when I was 17, but I just don't think it's the same degree. Like, I think when you're a teenager, everything feels more dramatic, but everything will actually be fine in terms of your future. And it probably was the best decision to break it off. But when you're an adult, it's like, no, you've actually like made plans together. You've actually like created a future together. And this, this was very real. And so when that kind of falls apart, you're forced to like come back within yourself and be like, okay, so what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Not what was the relationship doing? Not what, you know, where I was going to be with that person in five years time. Like, what what am I doing now? Because you're single. And, you know, that was a large part of like, not like sleeping great is because you just, your whole future shifts. And I remember, you know, and I remember going into my new job that I'm still currently in but at the time it was new I had just gone through this breakup and I remember coming into work and I just felt like completely numb and like it's so funny I feel like when you go through breakups multiple times in your life I know there are some people that maybe they only ever experience one heartbreak or they experience you know different types of heartbreak or like not romantic ones Um, but for me, it's like, I obviously I'd been through a breakup before and it's quite a nostalgic feeling. And I don't mean nostalgic in a good way. I just mean like it felt familiar and yeah, it's just weird when you experience the same like pain that you did like years ago. Anyway, it's very weird. Um, And I just remember coming into work and I was like just so out of it. And it's the whole you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't drink. It's kind of like falling in love but reverse. It's like you can't do everything that you used to be able to do and but you weren't able to do it when you're in love anyway, like when you're first falling in love. And it's kind of like that whole thing over again but now you're alone. (laughs) And... All I could stomach was like Coke. Like I think for three days straight, I just drank Coke. And I'm not a big Coke drinker. Like I'm usually like a Solo or a Lemonade. Like I'm not usually reaching for the Coke, but I like, honestly, I kind of fell in love with Coke after that. Like I was like, this shit's so fucking good. Also like Coke, no zero, Coke, Coke, no sugar is actually pretty good and then what is it coke zero and then there's like coke diet coke they're kind of all pretty good like I actually rate all of it (laughs) anyway so I became a big coke drinker but again I was kind of faced with the same problem except instead of struggling to 
full sleep, I was struggling to feel that comfort you need when you've just been recently broken up with. Like, I think there's that period where you're like, you kind of need to be handheld and like cuddled a little bit because you're just like, I'm so sad. I'm alone. Blah, blah, blah. Like you, it's very woe is me. And again, nothing was really helping. Like the whole breakup music, like, nah, that doesn't really cut it for me. Um, and again, I kind of turned to podcasts and there was this episode, um, that I listened to about heartbreak and like, there were tons, obviously, like how to deal with heartbreak, blah, blah, blah. I just remember listening to those and like, for whatever reason, they kind of worked. Like, I think hearing people like talk about how they felt and then like how they overcome it and like repeatedly listening to that and like reminding yourself, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like, it's going to be fine. And I remember stumbling across, um, Matthew Hussey, who, if you don't know him, again, Google, but he's, like, famous for being, like, dating relationship coach type guy, um, and he's, like, all over TikTok, YouTube, like, yeah, and he got a, like, anonymous question from someone that he answered on his podcast, and it was a guy kind of being, like, you know, if I knew what I knew now, like all this advice that you've given, I probably could have had a successful relationship with this girl that no longer is like with me. And like, I could have done things differently. And Matthew goes into this whole thing about like, but just because you know what you know now, it doesn't have anything to do with what happened. Because the fact is, what you know now is what you know now. And what you knew then is what you knew then. And you can't change history and you can't change the past. And I agree with him in the sense that like it is that kind of like determinist ideology or like the whole like free will is an illusion thing. Like we can't control things in the way that we think we can. And the knowledge that we have in a moment is all that is going to control the choices that we make. And obviously, if we learn new things down the line, that's great because that will influence better choices, hopefully. But it's like, I think when we regret how we handled relationships or arguments, it's like, but we only knew what we knew then. Like this whole like, oh, but like now that I know this and like how to deal with a situation, it's like usually you're just saying that because you've been through the situation. Like because you've been through that relationship, you recognize, oh, I do this and I do that. And that's something that I want to fix. And it's like people like, well, I wish I knew that, you know, back then. And it's like, but you would never have known those things if you hadn't gone through that relationship. And it's like, people kind of want to cheat it. And it's like, no, no, no. We have to actually go through things and experience things to learn things, to make better choices. We can't do it the other way around. And I don't know, listening to that video over and over again, just like jammed into my brain. Like you just, you can't beat yourself up about the choices that you make because ultimately like we don't have free will. I'm kidding. It always comes back to this. You know me. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, there were, you know, 
again, there were lots of ways that I feel like someone can cope. Like some people go to the gym. Some people listen to rain noises. I turn to podcasts and other people. <laughs> um, the constant sound of people talking really helps me, I think. You know, your 20s, they're chaotic, they're confusing, they're uncomfortable. And a lot of the time I look back on my teen years and I think they weren't really any different. I just have a bit more money and freedom now. <clears throat> but um, I mean, even like thinking about like last year, I feel like it was just, oh my God, so much happened. I just remember this really funny story where one night I went out and it was like big night, like lots of drinks, margaritas and, you know, my tagline whenever tequila is involved is I do the stupidest shit on tequila because it's true. Um, and got very drunk, um, got in a taxi cab and the person who was in the cab with me started to feel sick. And in my head, I was thinking, no, 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 like, we're not doing this. And the cab driver started to, like, pick up on it, notice that old mate at the back was starting to feel a bit sick. And everyone just starts yelling at each other. I'm yelling at the person, like, don't you dare throw up. And the cab driver's like, don't you dare throw up. Like, this is my first, like, night, like, drive of the night. Like, please don't. Like, you know, everyone's just threatening each other. And the person next to me literally starts throwing up, opens the cab door on the fucking highway as we're driving, starts throwing up out the fucking door. I then reach over and I'm like, shut the fucking door and like pull the door shut. They then wind down the window and start throwing up out the window. And then... They take off their shirt and start throwing up into their shirt as if it was a bucket that didn't have little tiny holes all through it and then proceeded to throw that vomited shirt out the window. Yeah, that cleanup cost about $170. So that's your 20s. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of other stuff like, you know, paying bills and shit. Um... But look, Alex Jones to me is one of the most irrational people and like has really insane ideas. I don't think everyone would find peace in a man like Alex Jones or listening to him ramble on Joe Rogan and find any sleep help in that. Yeah, no. And honestly, some things about the human psyche are best left unturned let's leave it unturned, I think. 